are back. Hello, everybody. We are the Two Pros. This is the Two Pros podcast. Joe, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you, mate. Yourself? Yeah, really good. This is a bit strange. We're outside. We're in Sunny Stoke. We're just outside Trentham Golf Club at a place called Bod, having a beer. And this is what the podcast, guys and girls, is going to be about now. A lot more relaxed, a lot more on the hoof, a lot more kind of topical things in terms of what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the golf industry, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's mental to be back. I mean, after what, seven-month hiatus, um, 24th of March being the last one we put out, and all of a sudden we're in November out of nowhere. I think, I think it's been a good time though. I don't know about you. I've I've had a for me. I think our friendship's grown, which is which is always a good thing from just spending a lot of time together and learning the game together and developing as golfers and just having some cool experiences as well. We're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, it's just been non-stop, and I think that that was part of the reason that unfortunately the first series come to an end so so quickly. Yeah, and kind of without warning, is that life just took over. Everything went back to a form of normality very quickly and left us both with quite limited time to, to do what we did but I mean we've we've kept up well and like I say developed individually and as a team and, and out of nowhere here we go for series two. What was that time like for you because it was it was you, you didn't stop during the pandemic you were very much still active and trying to keep as busy as you could and what was it like when they kind of I don't know when that key went in the door in the pro shop and you were back in the game? It, it was a very strange time I think for a lot of kind of club pros and assistants it was a different kind of busy we were either recording bits like this on online teaching or stock management and it was a worrying time for a lot of people and I think getting through that now is a big relief and I'll never forget that first day back and still got the photo of the first formal to go back out post-covid and there seems a cheeriness in the air still and everyone's excited to be back and to be playing and and just loving the golf again. It's a buzz. We've just finished our kind of Tuesday night training session at Stone, and for us, I think we've still got it. I've still got the buzz, and I loved that time kind of coming out of that, that third lockdown of wanting to really take the game a little bit more seriously, and I think it really helped with your ambition. It was a very lofty ambition straight out of COVID in terms of open qualifying. Yeah, I mean, open qualifying was a, a fantastic experience and something to to give the season a bit of aim really um, more in the sense of having something to work to and the sessions that we've done the sessions you do on your own on the cold rainy nights to actually have a bit of motivation to go and work at it he, he found a great enjoyment in golf and it was a great journey mm. um, trying to understand a little bit more about kind of the process and, and what goes on it, it's a fantastic experience that I think everybody in the team learnt a lot about. Yeah, for, for me, it probably, I can't thank you enough because it gave me something to work towards even though I wasn't playing open qualifying. And I know you did it as a, let's give it a go. Let's have an experience. Yeah, it was just a total kind of random idea. Um, I saw Pete Finch enter it and it's always been an ambition first year of being actually able to do it we got straight on and straight in um, at, at what I regard as probably one of the best courses to do it at as well at West Lanks yeah. that is an absolute animal let's be fair to it. it it's a very very tough golf course but one with great beauty and finesse about it at the same time it, it was a pleasure to play it practice rounds and actually on tournament day yeah probably that was my day of the year in terms of golfing when we went and did 36 holes we went and played Wallasey and 
thank you for all the team and the hospitality there because that was a great warm up and then we shot down to West Lanks with with James as well it was class yeah I mean it's it was just a fantastic day of of golf and one that I think we dropped on in terms of weather and just the general day of it it was just a buzz that kind of going on holiday feeling of excitement and, and a little bit of work and once again you mentioned James there hopefully looking to get into it this year as well and we, we've certainly developed and, and a great thanks to both of you for coming for that practice day and mm. kind of giving the advice that was needed on the day it was great just to chew the fat wasn't it it was great just to go around and go no driver's not there and we decided from pretty much game on didn't we three wood was the play yeah it, it wasn't wasn't the perfect day of golf and I think for anybody looking to go into that or with practice rounds when you're prepping for a course it's not a bad thing to have a bad practice round because I think you learn a lot more than when you can just rip driver and when everything goes perfect you're looking to build a score when it's not so perfect you're looking at getting around the course and I think that was a great eye-opener for me and certainly something that I will remember to kind of build on from next time sometimes in those situations par is or even bogey is better than the alternative yeah and it, it beats the the weak thought of going for something and it not coming off because it, it's very very difficult when you make a bogey or god forbid a double there's a time where you, realistically at the level we are it, it's not a bounce back two birdies on the trot and you're back it's about steadying the ship make par and just allow yourself to get back to, to some form of comfort and yeah I think that's the point as well it was a practice round so we were allowing you to, to drop a couple of golf balls in different situations let's take another tee ball you see the pros do it yeah, they aren't going yeah. out there on a practice round to score they're going around to, to practice they're getting familiar with yeah. the golf course and it's something I would certainly kind of advise a lot of people to do even if it's at your home course and you get the time go out and hit three or four chips from around the greens with different clubs and just see what works because although you might have a method that works well now there's you learn more without a doubt and even though one result may not be perfect on one hole you might pick something up for another hole whereby you get a situation that it works well on yeah yeah exactly and i thought your process your strategy and watching from afar on the actual day that birdie on the first it was like here we go game on the birdie on the first is is without doubt the greatest kind of golfing achievements and it's quite an emotional one still he, I mean the old man was on the bag and in fairness he did an absolutely wonderful job for somebody that played golf at a decent level previous but hasn't played for a while had the art on that day of knowing exactly what to say when to say it and how to say it and that initial birdie was something that I'll tell people about for the rest of my life it was it was a really poor decision to start with in every yardage book we'd done we put three wood in we knew it was going to be a three wood and on the actual day of the event warming up hit driver really really well and it put a little bit of doubt in mind to kind of go, yeah, you know what, actually today this is going to work. It didn't work in the practice round, but I've got it. I know what I'm doing. And we went up and said, oh, we'll, we'll take driving a three. We'll see what see what works. So seeing the other two guys go, and going, yeah, we'll go driver. And you could see from the look in his face, it wasn't quite the right decision, but he wasn't going to say anything because he didn't want to knock confidence. 
and within a couple of seconds of being called up to the tee, we switched, we went three wood, hit it. As far as I'm concerned, it was a shot of my life mm. to that point. And the only shot that's better did today was the nine iron after it to three or four feet. And I'll never forget walking off that green after holding that putt and just bursting out laughing with mm. it. And it's one of those great experiences that I will always cherish. And it's such a amazing and totally wacky way to start open qualifying. Sadly, yeah. it didn't continue, but that initial moment was just unbelievable that's golf and again all credit to you for picking probably the toughest course I think on the roster Hollymore pretty close behind but that's that's up there isn't it in terms of difficulty I certainly think so it's a it's a fair golf course but at the same point it is unforgiving to those who make errors and sadly on that day I did make three or four that led to a couple of doubles and it, it cost me ultimately but it, it's a great golf course for cutting your teeth on and I'm thankful to go to that because I don't think anything will ever be that difficult again yeah yeah and, and for, for me again just admiration for you going and doing it because it's an experience that, that everybody wants I think but when you're pegging it up and what I found it special this year as well for, for me was it's the first time I've seen it kind of looking like a tour event the hoardings were up it was all the open. It it looked the bees knees, didn't it? When you rocked up. Yeah, I just before obviously we played. I believe that was the Thursday. I think the Monday or the Tuesday. I'd, I'd met another close friend to to kind of play, um, previous Challenge Tour player, that that was a very very good golfer. And to rock up on that car park and see the hoardings and the flags and the scoring huts, it was a little bit overwhelming mm. to start with, and you kind of get taken aback and. And look at it as okay. This is this is real. This is going to be pressurised. Yeah. And it, it's such a surreal experience to go and be a part of that because it it's as close to a tour event as I've currently been to. Yeah. And for, and for you after the event, did you have any? I say come down. Did you? Have, was it hard to kind of get back to reality when you've been kind of peaking for something like that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit strange. You you kind of it's the year's work. Um, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of PGA events either side of it. But when you're focusing on that, I know we discussed it, as the PGA events were kind of a build-up to open qualifying. So it was a case of coming back, seeing what happened, and working out a bit of a plan from there as to where we go next, mm. what we what we go and work on that week. And then that stops and the tournaments kind of lose their edge a little bit. You lose a little bit of interest in practice. And that come down does start to get you because that's your season done yeah yeah it's, a, it's really difficult isn't it but what what are you looking forward to now in terms of going into next year what do you want out of next year um, certainly to go again with, with open qualifying that's something I'd love to go and do again um, would you change the venue or not I don't think so for the first time round I think we'll we'll go back to West Lanks providing it's still there um, I think there's a lot of local knowledge on that golf course as to where to hit it and the, the ultimate challenge now for me is not necessarily getting into final qualifying or God forbid the Open because it's the chances are so slim but it's to look at myself as a golfer from this year and to see if we can improve um, key events kind of this year I mean we've got an amazing trip planned to St Andrews come February Yeah, that's going to be two years in the making yeah <laughs> thanks to Covid slightly delayed but that's going to be a great little test to play 
obviously a very iconic golf course myself for the first time. Um, I believe your second, third time? Third time. Third time. And it's going to be another great experience to go and play there and to hopefully plan just a few more events around kind of building up to open qualifying, playing some tough courses and, and going and enjoying golf. Again, we finally got a bit of freedom back. Yeah. Hopefully we get a bit of time this year because this season's just been manic to mm. say the least and hopefully we can get back to that little bit of social golf that we enjoy because it, we're always prepping for something yeah I think everybody is be your next Sunday competition be your scratch final whichever it's going to be and I think that's a big wanna... piece of advice for people out there isn't it you've always got to have something in your mind that you're working towards well, that goes now I'm thinking I want to go and be the St Andrews in February and play the best I can play yeah. we've got a free week there it's a week of golf we're going to have an awesome time but you want to go and be prepared and, and play your best don't you yeah you, you want to be sharp and I think the only tricky thing with a golf holiday is when you go abroad or wherever you go on holiday with the family it's the experience you have it's the views it's so on And but with golf the views and the golf course don't necessarily make the whole trip yeah. it's the way you play those golf courses and ultimately we've all played a good course that we didn't play well round and ultimately then kind of go oh no didn't like it yeah. it's no good not going back and it, it wasn't a golf course no but playing and keeping on top of things is is certainly good and even if it's picking out the majors through club golf seasons of whichever competitions kind of names are on boards in the yeah. clubhouse go and pick them and actually have a go at prepping for them mm. see what see what goes and kind of get ready for it yeah can't wait that's february end of end of feb oh, end, end of feb, feb. end of feb that'll yeah. be cool and in the meantime we're trying to kind of practice and do as much as we can but for both of us works crazy you're coming into your final year your pga where for me god knows where that's gone to be honest joe it's been a scary three years i think obviously covid disrupted a massive amount of that and it is such a shame because it hasn't quite been the experience that we kind of wanted but at the same point kudos to the PGA for kind of working around that it's been incredibly hard enough for all that are working there especially in the education side of it it's been hard mm. and it has been really tough to kind of arrange exams and bits and bobs to make sure that we're still working through things but do you think that's been one of the positives of COVID that the online has come into play it's give you guys a bit more freedom it's they've almost taken a bit of a stop and a reflect and gone yeah we can we can do this we can do online exams we can adapt the residentials a little bit more yeah i think the whole world's changed in that respect there's i'd love to know the kind of facts and figures between the amount of people going down to london for meetings compared to being on zoom yeah okay it's not quite the same but for us that kind of especially within the assistant stuff we we still work a full-time job we're still working at least 30 hours in a shop, a lot of us, quite a few more. Mm. And you'd love to have the liberty to go down three or four times a year down to the Belfry and do it, but unfortunately, it's just not practical. Yeah. And I think they've done a great job in altering kind of online lectures. There's a lot more of that this year, rather than just written work. And it, it's certainly a variety of learning that's definitely helped me. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's helped a lot of the other assistants out there. I think it has, and again, it's you're nearly there that's the, that's the cool thing about it and as a proud PJ member myself it's nice that graduation will be special with your family and everybody there and it's it's been a yeah, hard three years I've done a master's and a bloody undergrad and I'd say my foundation degree with the PJ was, was hot, as hard as that if not harder than them so fair play mate no I know it's, it's been fantastic and 
hopefully there's going to be the family there to see graduation and hopefully yourself mm. um, that have all been a part of the role and the journey and it's just been absolutely outstanding and all the all the pros along the way that have made things possible yeah. make a big difference obviously we're sitting outside Trentham now that's home at the moment and Ash and Dan are two phenomenal golf pros that I'm privileged to work alongside and, and learn from every day uh, as well as two really great guys you mm. can have a good laugh and a joke with and it, it certainly makes a difference um, but yeah it, it's been brilliant to have so many people interested and in wanting to help mm. um, and hopefully then we can carry on the education into to further kind of levels with with well what you've moved into now yeah um, the new job it, it's crazy pretty cool pretty cool just that people know I've moved now from Mediate which had a great over 18 months worth again more credit to them um, amazing experience of the PGA show and places like that but now working with the PGA in, in the member ed department and it's been a bit of a whirlwind because we were used to doing these podcasts like you said in March and we had some great fun doing them and I, I supported some other clients like Andy Gorman with the podcast but I never thought I'd be chatting to Sean Foley and Claude Harmon and I've done a session today with a guy called Justin Parsons go check him out because He's got some great stuff. He, he works with Louis Stace and Charles Swartz or Gary Woodland, Harris English. Just some cool people to be able just to, to riff with and have a good conversation and learn more about instruction and golf coaching. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm loving it. It's a nice experience going to the Balfour a couple of times a week and being in home office. So, yeah, it's cool. I, I, if, if my dad always says if you can do something and work in an industry you love, like we do and we love golf life's good in it to be honest it, it's superb it, I mean it, it's a stock standard saying in the shop now when people come in and oh how are you and my stock response is oh, I'm living the dream and I think people think that's a little small bit of humour that when it's raining and you're stuck in the shop all day how can you be living the dream but it's literally what we've wanted to do I know especially from me from as far as I can remember Yeah. and it, it's such a superb thing to be able to do and the amount of great people you get to meet through golf is just outstanding and I think from a lot of people that go for lessons and want to improve it's nice to know that we strive for the same things Yeah, we, we both work on a game but also work on developing coaching learning off each other and what you're now doing with the PJ in terms of speaking to Sean Foley and some of the great coaches that are out there it's something that a lot of us wouldn't have direct access to do or think to do yeah. and yet some of their advice is incredibly simple and makes you realise that maybe we do tend to overcomplicate things sometimes or you pick up an easier way of doing things I certainly know one of Claude Harmon's comments about actually going and seeing what somebody does and how they play is more important to him than maybe Trapman numbers Yeah, and I think that's a real eye opener because I think we've gone so far down that road now that it's nice to hear somebody oppose that a little bit. Yeah. What What are your thoughts, especially somebody who's coming out of the the other end in a way of, of that three years of training? Is Is your coaching going to change? Cause I know you you have instruction yourself. Is Is the way you teach changed over your three years, and will it change when you you are fully qualified? Yeah, I think the the overwhelming thing is that there's a golf is a, a very very difficult game but it's an easy game that's made difficult potentially by the thought processes and the, the technicalities behind it and there's a certain amount that we need to know 
and certain things that need to be passed on to people. And just because you see it and think it doesn't mean it needs necessarily saying. Yeah. So there is a great value in picking your battles in terms of which statements you're going to make. Mm. Um, I believe it was Hugh Marr made a, a great comment and basically initiated the fact that as soon as you make a statement, you lose control over it. So you've got to be very, very careful with what you say. And I think a great coach, it's always been a bit of a, a negative sometimes that people turn around and go, oh, well, you're a really simple coach. And actually, the more I'm hearing these great coaches speak, the more I'm realising that's a really good thing. Yeah. You don't need... If, if you're filling somebody's head with 10 or 12 things to think about, you're not doing it right. No. There should be one or two things that people can take away that affects those 12 and ultimately affects how they get around the golf course. Yeah, and I think we we at times, probably as coaches, think, right, we've got to fill that hour, 45 minutes, half an hour. But if somebody's striping it or putting while or getting up and down while after 20 minutes... Thanks yeah. very much. You're doing really well. <laughs> I've certainly seen it within my own coaching, um, especially in kind of putting and short game at the moment. It's really, really big in putting. One overwhelming thing's wrong, and it's causing people to miss putts. You fix that one thing within half an hour of an hour session, and you then have previously felt pressure over, right, okay, what do we do next? Yeah. Is where I think there's a great power now in saying, right, look, let's leave this be. We've got another half hour in the bag. It's paid for, it's free when you want it. But let's work on this to build a solid foundation to make sure you improve yeah. before stabilising you and then changing something else. That If it does or doesn't work, you're not quite sure whether it was the original fault or what you're doing now. And it, it doesn't provide a great deal of clarity. As well, when you can give somebody a, let's say, for example, a setup change that enables three or four things to change, once they get that, they start to put well. Yeah. If they don't put well, they know exactly what they need to do to put mm -hmm. well. And then you can develop that two or three weeks down the line once they've got it. Yeah. But rather than filling the head with with multiple thoughts and possibilities. Again, it takes some confidence, doesn't it? Take some confidence to kind of stop halfway through a lesson potentially and go, we fixed you, we're done. Yeah, I think it's a very, very difficult thing to do. But I, I also think there's a judgment factor in there there are lessons where it's quite all right to then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that just depends on how quickly your client gets it, how willing they are to practice, and, and also understand that things could go wrong and it might require a bit more work than maybe initially thought. Yeah. But there's, there's multiple different ways, and I think the true talent is recognising which client you've got in front of you and what's going to work for them. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, again, it's... It's not rushing that experience. It's thinking about the the kind of what the client wants. If that client, like you said, wants more, it can take more. Brilliant. But if not, stop it and yeah. go again. And it, it's that recognition. I think everybody's got the talent to coach, especially with the guys I've worked with. I've met some brilliant coaches, and it's just the the true greats recognise the client that's in front of them. And I think tour pros have that as well. You only need to look at Bryson. That he's clearly quite a intense kind of practicer the story comes to mind about kind of dipping golf balls in salt water marking them up <laughs> yeah. that, that's a very intense kind of player and a, a certain coach has got to recognise how he's going to work and then you come across players that are a lot simpler than that and they just want one single thought and that's enough for them and it, there's so many 
different levels to that. It's a real spectrum. There's not one size fits all for no. it. And that's, I think, why we see a lot of coaches kind of come out of coaching certain tour players because sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Or it works to a point and then they want something more. And if that coach isn't quite ready to give it to them, then they'll go and search for somebody who will. Yeah. And it's finding that perfect fit. Yeah. And I'd encourage a lot of people to do that. And it sounds awful, but just because your pro is at your club, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right coach for you. Yeah, I think go go and see. And there's some amazing people out there. I'm lucky enough to, to work with a lot of them. And it is finding, I think, something that, that Justin said today that was really important. It's about the person. And it's about creating a relationship with that person. Because at the end of the day, you're telling them your deepest, darkest thoughts in terms of golf instruction, your, your kind of faults. And you want yeah. them to help you. It's almost a little bit of psychology involved there of working with somebody and I think that trust element's got to be there with the person that you're working with. Yeah, without a doubt and like I said, I'm, I'm privileged to work with both Ash and Dan here that, that do a great job and one thing I can only give them massive credit for is the relationships they have with the players Yeah, that it's a kind of, I'll see you when you've got this we'll book something in and they build great relationships with players that they've been with for a number of years now um, including juniors, I mean Dan now coaches as I believe the lowest 10 year old in the country playing off six and he, he's been with him for three or four years yeah. and he, he's built a relationship where they can talk openly and honestly between mm. kind of the junior the parent and the coach as to which route is going to be best to take them forward and I think that takes a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection really yeah that you've got to know what you do well and what you don't do well mm within that environment yeah and and I hope, I hope again everybody's enjoyed this session tonight and the background noise of the the, the stoke traffic hasn't been too bad and we're going to keep this going and next 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 topic we're going to talk about is around more winter golf giving you some advice some tips some hints from from balls to apparel to footwear to golf clubs bit of everything so thank you joe it's been a pleasure it's nice to be back good to be back in the game thank you everybody out there and we will catch you next week.